This morning, I thought we would talk about a popular subject called fear. <laughs> Anybody acquainted with that topic? <laughs> okay. That's where we are today. And actually, that's where we are most days. There are new reasons to fear. And you know something that's so great about our God? The God who made us, who made us, he knows what we're made of, right? And so in here, he wrote down everything we need to know to not just survive, but to thrive in this life. And in here, over 300 times, he says the words, do not fear. He says, don't be afraid, like over 300 times, close to 400 times. What does that tell you? <laughs> he knew that's something we need to hear all the time, isn't it? He understands our emotion of fear, and he says to us, do not fear. So today we're going to be in Psalm 46. It's just 11 verses, but we're going to go through the whole psalm and see that in this psalm, there is real cause for fear. There's real danger. But the psalmist says he will not fear. Let me just read this. I'm reading from the NIV. God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, Though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Nations are in an uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice and the earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come, come and see the works of the Lord, the desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in all the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Let's pray. Lord Almighty. What an incredible privilege we have that we call you Father. That you welcome us to come sit at your feet and learn from you. That as you're looking at us right now, you see the inside of us. You see what's rumbling in our hearts and minds. And you say to us, don't fear. Don't fear, for I am with you. You are the Lord Almighty. And what we want today, God, is to really hear your voice, to hear it in a way that it calms our fears, 
And then we walk out of here with a new confidence that our God rules, our God reigns. The Lord Almighty is with us. We give this time to you. We thank you that we have a place where we can come and learn. Help us to see you in new ways as we sit at your feet this morning to learn from you. In your name we pray, amen. So I I titled this, To Fear or Not to Fear. That's the question. I thought about that this week as it just depends on what channel you're watching. (laughs) Right? Okay. Well, I'm not standing here to talk about fear because I never fear. God gives me plenty of opportunities to practice. In fact, yesterday there was a new one that could be very fearful to me. And uh, often when I find myself in a situation that I wasn't ready for, that I wasn't planning on, I didn't expect it, and it's really not what I want. We all find ourselves there in trouble, don't we? There's five words that start with P that I have mentally um, written on my mind to go, okay. You know what usually happens when I'm afraid? My mind starts going, what if, now what? All this, you know, you know how fear talks to you? We have to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ, Paul says. So we got to take those thoughts and turn them around. And the first thing I find is that I need to assure myself that God is with me in this trouble. That's my greatest comfort. If God is with me, I'm not alone. I'm not facing this trouble alone. He's with me. The second thing I do is I stop my mind from all my wild imagination of what could happen and think, God, how do you see this? What is your perspective on this situation? What are you doing in me? What are you doing around me, and what do you want to do through me in this problem? The third thing I think about is I need to rely on God's power. One thing problems do in my life is show me how weak I am and that I don't have the strength or the wisdom. I need to rely on his power. The fourth thing I do is I remember his promises. God has given us all the promises. Everything we need to know to live a life that honors him and pleases him is in here. This word is full of promises. He's ready to help us whenever we turn to him, and he promises that. And the fifth thing is I just exalt in who he is, in his position. He is Lord Almighty over and above every other authority. No other power has has power over him. He's ultimately in control of everything. Well, this little uh, simple (laughs) illustration I want to show you, this was given to me by a friend, and it's the Chinese character for strength or strong. Can you see that? And so in this illustration, this represents God. He's strong, strong and mighty. Okay, this is us. See, we got a hold of our Bible. Okay, and this... This is the problem. This is a big problem. It's kind of ugly. It's kind of heavy. If it falls on me, I'm going to be crushed, right? 
Now, sometimes there are little problems in my life. They're not quite so big, not so ugly. But you know what? These are the ones I stumble over too often. It's easy to stumble over those big problems, those little problems. So problems are not the issue. Troubles are not the problem. Jesus told us in this life, guess what? We will have trouble so we just need to not think there's something wrong because there's trouble and chaos all around us. This is where we live. This is not where we'll always live. This is temporary, right? So the issue is not the problem. The issue is where does the problem lie? Does this problem push me closer to God? If so, God is able to use this problem for his purposes in our life. Does it push us, does it squeeze us in closer to God? We'll see the psalmist said, I run to you for refuge when I'm in trouble. Is that what we do? Or does the problem push us away from God? Hmm. Have you ever been there? Instead of thinking about his presence, his perspective, his power, his promises, and his position, my mind is thinking, oh, woe is me. Look what just happened. Look what's going to happen. There's no hope. I'm powerless to fight this. All these things our mind can tell us, that's the problem pushing us away from God. And in, when that happens, that problem, that fear is making us fragile. We're too weak to fight it. But when it pushes us closer to God, let that problem push us in close to the Lord, that fortifies us. That's when we get the strength of the Lord to endure. A simple illustration, but often when I'm in trouble, I think, okay, am I going to go this way, closer to God, or am I going to just follow my thoughts down this nowhere path, okay? Let problems push us into the heart of God, closer to God. Okay, so this psalm is a familiar psalm, I'm sure. Many of you have heard it. Many of us know, well, let me not say many of us, let's say all of us, know more about God than we actually experience. Spurgeon says, we may pray to enjoy and experience what we grasp by faith. So in our own crisis, it's time for our knowledge of God to become our personal reality. See, there's something great God wants to show you. There's something great he wants us to learn about him that we'll learn in trouble and we can never learn it anywhere else. So in trouble, this is, a, this is when we get to really experience God's presence and his power. When we're not in trouble, we don't need those things so much. Trouble is not a bad thing. Fear is not a bad thing. It depends on what we do with the fear. Uh, think about fear can be good. If it moves you away from danger, if all of a sudden a fire started down the hallway and the bell started going off, the alarm started going off, what would that fear do? It caused us to run, right? It would be silly not to. God has given us wisdom to use fear in that way. 
But if fear paralyzes us, if we're so captured by fear that we can't move, we don't know what to do, that's an unhealthy fear, right? Okay, we're going to um, get on into the lesson. This psalm is written as a song. It's almost like it has three stanzas. So we're going to take one stanza at a time. There's three of them. And the first one is verses 1 to 3, where it says, God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we won't fear. Though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea. Okay, so the psalmist is in trouble. The foundation under him is shaking. And he does what? He runs. He runs to God for refuge. All of us have a refuge. Do you know what your refuge is? When you're feeling overwhelmed, stressed, like I can't cope with this anymore, what do you run to? God says, run to me as, my, as your refuge, because when he is our refuge, then he can strengthen us. That's what it means. Come hide in him and get the strength to face this. And then he says, remember, I am an ever-present help in the trouble. Ever-present, always available. There's nowhere I can be that God is not. And so in this trouble, he's with me, not just to watch me and grade me on how I'm, if I'm reacting in the right way. He's with me to help me. What a God. He's with us to help us, always available. And where is God when we're in trouble? Notice he says, God is, first two words, and then the last two words of the sentence, God is in trouble. God is in the trouble. We don't have to look outside the trouble to find help. Sometimes that's all I'm focused on. Get out of this trouble. Then I'll be okay. And God says, no, it's okay. I'm in this trouble. In this trouble is where you'll find my strength and my help. So we won't fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. This makes me think of Taiwan. You know, when we get up and walk out of here today, we expect to just walk right out on solid ground, right? In Taiwan, you never know when the ground beneath you is going to tr tremble, <laughs> There are earthquakes every day. Some we feel, some are minor, some are just a little, little shake. Some are big enough that I can remember trying to walk and feeling like, this must be what it feels like to be drunk. Like, I can't stand. This is weird. It's an uneasy feeling when the ground beneath you is shaking. Well, we all build our lives on a foundation of something. I love that song that says the foundation of God's love. We want to build our life on the foundation of God's love. If your life is built on the foundation of anything else, believe me, it's going to shake. What is your foundation? And though, then it talks about the strongest and most stable, secure thing he can think of is the mountains. Like no bulldozer is going to push over a mountain, right? But those can crash. I had a friend, I was one, the strongest earthquake I was in was a 6.5. One of my friends at that time had taken her high school class to the mountains when that earthquake hit. 
and they actually saw the mountains crumbling. I mean, huge rock slides. Now, I'm glad I wasn't there. Just thinking about it is fearful enough for me. But we have things that we think will never change. This is solid and secure, my health. It's never going to change. I'm in good health. And then when it does, we're shaken. What is it that you think is secure and strong and will never change? Be careful, because that also will someday crash and fall. And then it says the waters roar and foam. It's like, I got to see a typhoon. How cool is that? <laughs> and we lived really like two minutes from the ocean. And you see the waters roar. There's such force in those waters. Well, you know what? Sometimes bad news feels like one wave after another, like it just comes crashing in on us. I don't know about you, but sometimes when I'm in trouble, it's not like it's just one trouble. It's like wave after wave of trouble. And that's what the, what the psalmist is experiencing. And yet, what does he say? He says, God is my refuge and strength. God is with me in this trouble, therefore I will not fear. Now, in the Bible, in Psalms, you'll notice this little word called selah. They believe it was a musical term that means pause, like in music. When I see selah, I often tell myself, stop. Stop. Did I just get it? Did I, whatever I just read, did I really get it? How many times do I read the Bible and it doesn't even faze me? Do you realize how powerful God's word is when he gets that word deep in your heart, when he speaks to you in such a way that you go, wow, God just spoke to me. That's what he wants to happen every time we open his word, every time we sit under teaching, every time we're at home and we open the word, it's like God saying, hey, listen, I have something to tell you. And remember the power of God's voice. It's life-changing. So Selah, just stop when you see that word and think, did I really get it? Is that the way I live? Am I living as if God is my refuge and strength and that God is with me in this trouble and that God is helping me? And so therefore, I will not fear. That's where we all want to be. That's the life God wants for us. You understand that? He says, I've not given you a spirit of fear. He doesn't want us to walk around like fearful cowards, afraid of what this world can do to us. Because that reflects on who he is. He's saying, come on, I've given you power. I've given you my power. I've given you love. Like he's compassionate and gracious. He knows we're going to stumble over little things. And big things we might think we're underneath instead of on top of. Love, power, and a sound mind. That mind is really important to God. You've got to take control of your mind. That's what gets us in trouble. That's what makes fear go the wrong direction. Let your fear draw you, push you to God. So, if fear is something or when fear is something that you're struggling with, use Psalm 46 as a template. Write down or even just say to yourself, God is. How would you answer that? God is. 
then remind yourself what the psalmist said, God is my refuge, God is my strength, God is an ever-present help in my trouble, therefore I will not fear. Just write it out, say it, say it aloud, and then put even though. And make your own list of even those. We all have even those. Even if, even if this happens, I will still not fear. That's how you can get God's word in you. Make it practical. God doesn't want us to just say, oh, that's a good word. Just agree with it. He's given us this so we can apply it so that it makes a real difference in our life. And that's one way to make it more personal. So often unknowingly, our inner peace is regulated by our outer circumstances. You know how I know that? Because when all is well without, all is well within. How about you? Like, I know that if I know my children are happy and they're thriving and my grandchildren are obedient and they're happy and everybody's getting along well and everybody's working at their jobs and everything is well without, then all is well within. That tells me. I base peace on what's happening, on my circumstances. But this psalm shows us that genuine peace is based on what happens inside of us, not outside of us. And it is the most incredible thing to be in the middle of the worst thing you can imagine and have peace. It's incredible. A peace that is beyond understanding. That's what God wants for us. His inner peace, he doesn't want it to be threatened by outer circumstances. We're going to see why that's true from the next four verses. Let's look at this. Verses four to seven. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Now, the first three verses were all about uh, chaos, turmoil, waters roaring, mountains crashing, earth trembling. And then the psalmist says, but there's this, you know, there's this river, this calm river. It's not roaring. And the streams are making glad the place where God dwells. When I read the Selah after this stanza, I have to go, what, what's that all about? And with the help of a commentary, it related this back to Jerusalem. In ancient days, the cities built walls around them to protect themselves from the enemies, right? So Jerusalem's main source of water was outside the walls, not inside. What they needed, the water they needed, came from outside the walls. So King Hezekiah, he built an underground tunnel through which this stream of water could flow into the city. The cool thing about that is that even if enemies were surrounding them, they had the source of nourishment they needed. They were not cut off from their water supply. But it was a hidden supply. It was underground. And that is just what, like what Jesus tells us. We have a hidden source of life-giving water. Look at John 7, verses 38 and 39. John 7, 38 and 39. What is this life-flowing 
source that we have. Where does it come from? Jesus says, whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within him. By this he meant the spirit who those who believe in him were later to receive. Do you get that picture? Just like Jerusalem had this underground water source, we have this underground source of life-giving water, nourishment, all that we need to sustain us. And it comes from the Holy Spirit who lives within us. Have you got that? <laughs> I have a competing voice. <laughs> all right, I want you to hear that. You got the Holy Spirit. If you truly belong to God, God is within you. You will not fall. Do you believe that? You have this inner source, the Holy Spirit, to bring you the life-giving refreshment of God. The source of strength that you need is within you. God will help you at break of day. I know I've been in times when it's so dark that I don't see or experience God. And I think we're all there. And that's a part of life at times. We can all find ourselves there. So I like when it says God will, break, will help her at break of day. If you're in that darkness, it doesn't last forever. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Then he goes on to say nations are in an uproar. See what we're going through? It's not unusual. It's happened since the beginning of time. All throughout history, nations are in an uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice and the earth melts. But get this, the Lord Almighty, he's with us. The God of Jacob, he's our fortress. Selah. Think about that. The Lord Almighty. In the NIV, that's the way it's translated. In ESV, it's translated the Lord of hosts. And then in the New Living, I love this picture, the Lord of heaven's armies. Captain of the armies of heaven. Those translations are from the Hebrew name of Jehovah or Yahweh, Jehovah Shabbat. And this is the name of God that's used in scripture when a person is at the end of their rope, when they feel helpless and powerless. It's so cool to see in different stories in the Old Testament the names of God that he'll use to reveal himself. And when a person is totally helpless and they're feeling like there is no hope and they can't, they can't deal with this, they don't have the strength or the power or the wisdom, Jehovah Shabbat shows up. The Lord Almighty, the Lord of heaven's armies, this God is where? Where is he? He is with us. You got it? The Lord Almighty. We could, you know, we could, we could talk about that for the next 30 minutes. 
What is there that God cannot do? Who can stop him from doing what he wants to do? No one. The Lord Almighty, that God, is our God. He is with us. Now, when I was stopping and pondering this section, I thought, why in the world does he say he is the God of Jacob? What do you know about Jacob? Actually, he's the least successful Bible character, patriarch, of, in the Old Testament. I mean, Jacob was known as a schemer, one who was intent on doing things his own way. His life was characterized more by failure than by faithfulness. Isn't that something? Now stop and ponder that. God says, I am Lord Almighty, the God of Jacob. The God of this man who continually stumbles and falls, who's known as one who's just going to do it his own way. And God says, I'm not ashamed to be called his God. Now, is that comforting or not? Is that comforting to you? God is not ashamed to be called our God. When we are faithless, he remains faithful. He never abandons us, no matter if we're acting like a two-year-old throwing a tantrum. If you're a mom, have you ever had a child do that when you're out in public? I can remember being tempted to just walk away and pretend like I don't know this kid. But God, he never does that. He is not ashamed to be called our God. Stop and ponder that. Doesn't that give you hope? He doesn't expect us to always be strong and mighty and fearless. He expects us to run to him. That's all he wants. Run to him to get what we need. I really like this quote by Oswald Chambers. He says, the remarkable thing about God is that when you fear God, you fear nothing else. Whereas, if you do not fear God, you fear everything else. That's why I say, exalt his position in your own life. Don't let your trouble and your problem be greater than God. To fear God is to live in such a way that we never want to do anything that offends him or that gives him a bad name. That we respect and honor him and know that he is king of kings and lord of lords. And to fear God means you fear nothing else. Now the next section, this is amazing. The psalmist says, come see what the Lord has done. The desolations he's brought on the earth. He makes war cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. Now, if I were going to say, come, come see what God has done, if somebody was saying that to me, I'd think, oh, wow, I'm going to see some incredible good thing. And the psalmist says, come, see the works of God. Look at this desolation. What is he saying? It's so easy for us when we see desolation to not think, to think that God's not in that. To think the enemy is one. I'm sorry, but God is always in control. 
There's a verse in Lamentations in the New Living. It says, can anything happen without the Lord's permission? No. If you need more evidence about that, read the book of Job. Or look at Jesus' life. Come and see what the Lord has done. See this desolation he's brought on the earth? He's still in control. He did this. He makes war cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. He's saying, you know, it doesn't matter who thinks they've got the best army. God is the one who's in control. And then he says, be still. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in all the earth. The Lord Almighty, the God of Jacob, is our fortress. Be still and know that I am God. How many of us have that on a plaque somewhere? <laughs> Pretty popular saying, be still and know that I am God. But in uh, Hebrew, the word be, for be still means let go. Just let go of it. It's not yours. You're not God. He's God. Leave it alone. Relax. Like, chill out. Be quiet. Like, stop that mind of yours that's going the wrong direction, pulling you away from God. Stop it. Cease striving. That's be still. In military terms, this is a call to lay down your arms and surrender to the king, the Lord of heaven's army. The problems we find ourselves in, when it's not our problem. Do you know that? God is just wanting to show us how much bigger he is than this problem. And if you're running away from him, you're going to miss it. Run to him, be still, and let him show you that this is what he's doing all the time. He is making himself known in our troubles. He will be exalted among every nation. What a day that will be. You realize there are people groups that have still never heard the name of Jesus. But we... Do we realize what a privilege we have? We can know him. We can find hope in the fact that we know that all that he does is he's working towards that one great last day when he will be exalted among all the nations. And he will be exalted in earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. What's a fortress? Got a picture of a fortress surrounding us over and above, around, behind. This God is with us. Selah. So just to wrap up, I'm going to remind you of these five words. I feel like this psalm showed us that. There are so many scriptures that, that tell us this is how we can fight fear. 
as the psalmist did here. Find comfort in his presence. You're not alone. Never. You're not in your trouble by yourself. That's comforting. Seek his perspective. Don't just look at it from your own limited understanding. Get outside of yourself. It's not all about you. Newsflash, right? <laughs> Whatever's going on, it's about God. It's about what God is doing in us, around us, and through us. Rely on his power. Trying to face a problem in your own power, you may feel like it's going to crush you. You need his power. Run to him for strength. Remember his promises. So many times my journals start off with, God, today I just feel like this, and it's not good. I know these emotions are not good and are not going to lead me down the right path. So I say, God, show me. Show me a promise I can hang on to. We've got to make those promises ours by meditating on them. You've got to get a hold of God's promises. That's where the life-changing power, you give the Holy Spirit something to work with, get that stream of life to sustain you and nourish you, and then exalt, rejoice, remember who's in control. He, the Lord Almighty. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Let's pray. Father, how good your word is. It is the nourishment our souls need. And I thank you, God, for the power of your word to breathe life into us, to give us strength to give us peace even in the midst of chaos and turmoil. How we praise you that you never abandon us. You, the Lord Almighty, the King of kings, the ruler of all, are continuing to work out your purposes and you will till that day when we see you face to face and we rejoice and look forward to that day when you will be exalted in all the earth. Until that day, God, keep us ever turning our heart to you, running to you for refuge, and praising you for all you give us to stand strong in the storm. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I do want to pray today for any of those who are really, at this moment, feeling like this fear is crushing them especially for those people, I lift them up to you, God, and I say, oh, God, cause your word to speak life. Faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word of God. May your words ignite our faith and cause us to walk out of here with new confidence, not in who we are, but in who you are, the great and mighty God. Thank you, God. Thank you for speaking to us for loving us so much that you're always with us to help us. We praise your mighty name, and we pray in the name of Jesus, our Savior and our Lord. Amen.